Would you take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 17? Luke chapter 17 is where we'll be at this morning. What makes for Thanksgiving at your home? Now, I realize some of you will not be home for Thanksgiving, and I remember those days uh, when I was in school not long ago. But what makes for Thanksgiving? You might go home and, and you look at the spread on the table and you say, Mom, where's that? It's not Thanksgiving without. What is it not Thanksgiving without? Well, for most of us, you got to have a turkey for Thanksgiving. It's not Thanksgiving without turkey. For me, it's not Thanksgiving without stuffing. Now, this is an insult to my mom because she would never make stuffing out of something like this. But it's not Thanksgiving without some carbs on the side called stuffing. These are my favorite. It's not, stu- it's not Thanksgiving without cranberries. Maybe cranberry tea, cranberry sauce, cranberry, you just put it on everything. It just makes it, and it, makes it good. Perhaps for some of you, it's not Thanksgiving without football. You go home and they don't turn on one of the games of football. Of course, it's not Thanksgiving without the Lions losing. It's not Thanksgiving without the Cowboys losing. They, they have a streak going. Maybe it's not Thanksgiving for you without, you know, going around the table and saying what you're thankful for. Say, that's not Thanksgiving. Well, today I would like to take a look at two Bible characters. And for us, I wonder if God sits in heaven and he hears our testimonies, our thanksgiving to him. And he says, well, that's not Thanksgiving because it's without something. I want you, as we go into this this season, this next week, going into Thanksgiving, and really the rest of your life, thinking, does God consider what I'm doing? Does he consider that Thanksgiving? Today we're going to see three things, three tests that are going to help determine if what we are saying, what we are giving, is really Thanksgiving. Before we get into our scripture, Brother Thompson, would you open us in a word of prayer? Thank you. Luke chapter 17. Look in verse 11 with me. We're going to see the first story we'll look at. Luke 17, 11. And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go. Show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was cleansed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet. Give him thanks. He was a Samaritan. Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? 
But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. The first character I'd like to look at this morning would be the, the tenth leper, the one that was not part of the nine. And then the other character I would like to look at is in Luke chapter 18. And look in verse 9. Luke 18, verse 9, And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. And the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican, I fast twice in the week, I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing afar off would not so much as would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that exalt he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. On the one hand we have the leper, and on the other we have the Pharisee. My first point this morning, it's not really thanksgiving without honest confession. True thanksgiving comes from hearts that confess their true condition. In in chapter 17, we find lepers, they knew their condition. They were in need of help. You find them, they, they, they heard Jesus was coming through and they came out and they cried to him. They were in need of help. Leprosy had stolen from them normal. They had, it had separated them from their families. Leprosy had squelched any thought of future. They were just waiting to die. They confessed their condition. We're unclean. Uh, there's other places you find leprosy saying, unclean, unclean. And as they stood afar off, they recognized their condition, that they could not be close to Jesus. They still cried to him. They realized there's a problem. I need help. They confessed it. They also, you see a confession of their unworthiness. Let me ask you, Jesus is walking around, a popular rabbi, followed by 12 disciples and perhaps a larger crowd. And there's a group of 10 men who are hollering from the side of the road saying, Jesus, have mercy on us. And what do these men deserve of Jesus' attention? Nothing. They knew that Jesus didn't owe them anything. They didn't deserve healing, and that's why they asked for mercy. Jesus, have mercy on us. Show us mercy. We have no hope apart from a miracle from God. They had heard about Jesus. Perhaps one of them said, I, I heard he made a blind man see. I heard that he cast out demons from a possessed person. I heard that he healed a man that had a withered hand and raised a girl from the dead, made the lame to walk again. Maybe he'll help me. And Jesus was coming by. It was the faith of these ten that impelled them to ask for mercy. And they understood they didn't deserve the attention of the Son of the Highest. They were not like the Pharisees. Remember the centurion who sent Pharisees to Jesus and said, "Uh, I have a servant that's sick, and he sent the Pharisees to intercede on his behalf. And then later the Pharisee, no, no, don't even come to my house. You can just say the word and my servant will be healed. There There was a little bit of expectation from those sent Pharisees that Jesus was going to do something for the centurion. But what expectation do these lepers have? Jesus, have mercy 
on us. It's not really thanksgiving without honestly confessing our condition, realizing our unworthiness. Now, let's look at the second individual. We're contrasting the Pharisee here. The Pharisee's blind to his true condition, and he's quite content with how he is. No mention of his own sinfulness in verse 11. God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are. And then he makes quite a list of other sinners. Here is one who offers false thanksgiving. The Pharisee sees himself as A-OK. In comparison to the publican over there, he's doing pretty well. All the things that he's doing, all the things that he's not doing. Now, Jesus often rebuked the Pharisees on this point. You think that you're okay, but you're not. You're whited sepulchers. You're clean on the outside. You're beautiful on the outside, but inside you're full of dead men's bones and uncleanness. You seem outwardly religious, but inside you're full of iniquity and hypocrisy. You build up and you put flowers at the tombs of the prophets every Memorial Day, but you would have killed them. And they're, about to, they're going to kill Jesus in a few chapters, proving Jesus' point. This Pharisee, he was blind to his true condition. He would not admit that he was unworthy before God. Now, let me ask you, have you confessed your true condition in the eyes of the holy God? Have you come to Jesus and asked him for cleansing? In 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and like the lepers to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The lepers stood afar off, but in Christ, you who are sometimes far off are now made nigh by the blood of Christ, Ephesians tells us. Only once we are honest with God will we be in the place where we can offer true thanksgiving to God. So are you honest about our unworthiness before God? That God is holy and I am sinful. That my works do not lift me up in God's sight. No, my works are filthy rags in God's sight. Until I see myself there as the leper, that I'm not able to approach unto God, then I can't really offer true thanksgiving. Are you honest about your condition as a believer? You know, we can deceive ourselves into thinking much like this Pharisee. Now, now that we're saved, our home is in heaven, our sin has been forgiven, now we can just think, well, I'm doing well. You know, I tithe. I fast twice a week. Not next week for sure. I, I'm not an adulterer. I don't extort people. I'm not unjust. I'm not like other people are. I'm better. Now, most of us don't say that. But I think the thoughts come through our mind every once in a while. I wouldn't do that. I would, I would never say that. I can't believe he said that. And sometimes we're not being honest about our true condition. Sometimes we think, well, I've, I've, got, I've done this for myself. Revelation chapter 3, there's scriptures written to New Testament believers Because thou sayest, I am rich, I am increased with goods, I have need of nothing. And here's a Christian that does not know that he's wretched, miserable, poor, and blind, and naked. Let's be honest with God about who we are. When we are self-deceived, we're not offering God the thanks that God deserves. If I think I'm doing pretty good in my Christian life, and I'm just, I'm living it right, and I'm doing all the right things, what I'm offering to God is, is not really thanksgiving. What Paul, Paul understood his true condition as a saved man. I mean, he gave, us, he gave us the book of Romans. 
In, in Romans 7, he reveals that even as the Apostle Paul, his sin nature fought every step that he had towards holy living. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? As he confesses his inability to have victory over his, over his flesh through his own power, Paul turns to thank God. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. I can have victory because of Jesus, not because I'm such a good person. And Paul was a pretty good person. Once he stopped killing Christians, he was a pretty good fella. But Paul realized, I can't, I can't just trust in my own works. I can't just work my way into having a good life as a Christian. I'm wretched. I need God's mercy. I need Jesus' life living through me. That's how, I can, that's how I can live for him. Confess your need for Jesus to save, but we need to make sure we are confessing our need for Jesus to empower us. Confess our need for the word of God to guide us. And then we can offer true thanksgiving to God. It's not really thanksgiving if you don't have honest confession. Our next point, it's not really thanksgiving if you don't have a pure motive. Why do you express gratitude? Why do you say thank you? On Wednesday, we'll have a praise chapel. Why will you give a testimony? Let's make sure we have the right motive. Why did the leper express gratitude? Uh, He went out of his way to thank God. You know, he had to be last in line at the priest's. To, get, to be declared cleansed. Everybody else got to go off and he took his time. He went out of his way. He took extra steps and went back to Jesus and said, thank you. The leper went against the culture of the ten. You know, the other nine are, are going off to, to be declared cleansed by the priest and, and the one says, wait a minute. I got to leave the crowd and go say thank you to Jesus. The leper is going against even human nature. You know, it's, it's embedded in our hearts to have a high opinion of ourselves. Sometimes we think we're not very creative people. But we are very creative at finding ways to twist everything to lift ourselves up. We are. Imagine what the nine lepers are talking about as, they're be, as they are cleansed and they're on their way to the priest. Well, I saw him first. Well, it was my idea to call out and ask him for mercy. He was looking at me when he told us to go to the priests. Well, why didn't he just heal us on the spot? He made us walk all this way before we're cleansed. Or the guy in the back of the crowd says, I told you so, he would cleanse us. And all of them, they're just, maybe they're lifting themselves up and saying, yeah. And and you think, come on, come on nine, what are y'all doing? You're trying to lift up yourselves when Jesus was the one that cleansed you. But one leper, he's cleansed from leprosy. He goes back to give God the glory. He glorifies God with a loud voice. That should be our motive for for giving thanks to God. We want to exalt him, to lift him up in the eyes of others. This is easier said than done. Have you ever heard a testimony where it wasn't God that was being lifted up so much? 
Sometimes I'm, I'm saying something and I realize, wow, I'm lifting myself up. And there's my heart. Doing what my heart does. Finding a way to twist it to be about me. Rather than saying, I want to make sure God gets the glory here. We have the privilege to give glory to God. Ten lepers were healed, but how many came to give glory? One. Ten were obedient to the command. Go show yourselves to the priest. Follow the law. But how many paused in their obedience to the letter of that law to worship the Lord? One. Oh, I hope we're not caught up in, in following the letter of the law, that we miss the spirit of the law. We miss our relationship with the Lord. Ten received physical cleansing, but how many received the blessing that Christ says in verse 19? Arise, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. I believe nine were physically cleansed to live out the rest of their life. Returned to their families, their homes, their former occupations. They got their life back. But one got his life back on this earth and he gained eternal life. Because he came back to give God the glory. It's real easy to look down on those nine lepers, right? Just ungrateful wretches. You know, just running off and enjoying the blessings that God gave them without saying a word of thank you. Without taking a moment to say thank you. They only came to Jesus with their problems, and as soon as Jesus solved their problem, they left. We would all like a friend like that. They're just around for you to help them. When we find relief for our problems, do we make a sacrifice to thank the Lord? Or do we continue on and forget it? You know, it's easy to point out the nine men's ingratitude, but let's ask the Lord to reveal our own failures to give God the glory when he does things for us. The only acceptable motive is to glorify God. Giving thanks and glorifying God, they're hand in hand. One way you can glorify God this week is to give thanks to him. Romans chapter 1, verse 21 says the unsaved man, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. They go hand in hand. Revelation chapter 4, the beasts that stand around the throne, they give glory and honor and thanks unto God. Giving thanks and glorifying God, they're hand in hand. If we offer thanks to God for a different reason than to bring him glory and to lift him up in the eyes of others, it's not really thanksgiving. What about the Pharisee? How did he thank God? What does it say in verse 10? Two men went up into the temple to pray. That was their reason to go. And in verse 11, the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank thee. Now, that's not a bad reason to go to the house of God to pray. Not a bad reason. Praying is not a bad thing. Jesus taught his disciples in Matthew chapter 6 not to do as the Pharisees of the day did. And here we have an example of a Pharisee of the day. He said, when you give, don't sound a trumpet as the hypocrites do that they may have the glory of men. No, they have the reward. When you give, don't let other people see what you're doing. Don't let your right hand and your left hand communicate. When you pray, don't be as a hypocrite. They love to pray in the synagogues in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. There's the motive. Verily, they have their reward. Fasting. Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance. 
For they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. No, there's no sin in praying and thanking God publicly. But the problem is this. The Pharisee was willing to do lip service to God in public, but his motive was to exalt himself. Our motive should be to exalt God. And his motive was to exalt himself. We know this because in verse 14 it says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other for everyone that exalteth himself. That's the Pharisee. That's what he's doing. His motivation was the praise of men, not the exaltation of God. His prayer started this way, God, I thank thee. And he talks about I, 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 I. Doesn't mention God again in his prayer. He gives no glory to God. There's no credit to God and to God's grace for working in his life. Pharisees trust in himself that he is righteous. Now, we often live without much regard to God and his blessings. We might chalk up our prosperity to diligent hard work that we do, and we think that we deserve the things that we have. I went through four years of bachelor's. And I went through two years of master's. I earned, you know, I deserve something for all the hard work I put in. Well, tell me, when you boil it all down, who is the giver of all good gifts? But a lot of times we think, well, I studied and I, I put it to, I worked hard. I got it together. Well, let's take your brain out of the equation. And then let's see what you can do. God gives us everything. We often live without much regard to him. And to his blessings. Let's not be like the Pharisee. One commentator wrote, He had nothing in his eye but self, his own praise, and not God's glory. Let's not live that way. Uh, Romans 1.21, Because that when they knew not God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. And their foolish heart was darkened. We can start thinking all kinds of wrong things when we start to think that we're the reason that we have what we have. We're all too quick to embezzle God's glory and shine that spotlight of attention on ourselves. So here's a surefire way to know if your motive for Thanksgiving is corrupt. Here, do you offer Thanksgiving in private? We ought to thank God because he's worthy. It's a good thing to thank God publicly. It's a good thing to pray publicly. David said, I will give thee thanks in the great congregation. I will praise thee among much people. David said again in Psalm 18, 49, Therefore I will give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen, and sing praises unto thy name. In fact, giving thanks publicly can be a great blessing to others. It can be an encouragement and strengthen the faith of another. But do you thank him in private? We ought to thank God because he's worthy. God warns us when you give, when you pray, when you fast, do it in private because the temptation is strong to do it for the eyes of others. We must thank God in private. David said, at midnight, I will rise to give thanks unto thee because of thy righteous judgments. When no one else is around, I'm going to do that. The writer of Hebrews said, By this, let us therefore offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, not just in church, not just at school, 
not just around others, not even with our family, but continually. There's a sacrifice. There's something you put into it to thank God. If the only time that you find yourself praising the Lord or being thankful is when others are around, maybe get with the Lord and say, Lord, I need to, I need to thank you in private. Do we thank God for his goodness only when others are around to hear it? The leper, when he came back, with a loud voice, he glorified God. I don't think that this was not a private whisper. He didn't care who was around. He praised the Lord. And it was public. But you know his motive was right. True thanksgiving is made with a pure motive to glorify God. Are we satisfied to praise him when it's just him and me? Or do we need someone else to be listening so that way we will actually give thanksgiving? It's not really thanksgiving without a pure motive. Lastly, it's not really thanksgiving if we don't have a humble heart. True thanksgiving springs from a humble heart. The posture of the leper in verse 16, he fell down on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. There was humility in that. Now, sometimes we read the scriptures and we say, okay, that's nice. Later on today, why don't you lay down on the ground at someone's feet? Tell me how you feel about that. Even today in cultures, we don't really do that in, in American culture, but there are cultures where you bow to the king and, and you show respect. And back in the day, you grovel at people's feet out of respect because you're more humble than they are. But today, that's kind of a foreign concept. But imagine a man laying himself down at his face at Jesus, laying on his face at Jesus' feet. There was just complete humility there. Now, contrast that with the Pharisee's posture. How is this Pharisee standing in the temple? Well, it, it, it says he stood and he prayed thus with himself. And then there's, there's a contrast in verse 13. The publican, he would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven. I think in contrast to this, I infer the Pharisee was lifting up his head to heaven. Pride. There are several different words for pride in our, in our scriptures. Several of them carry the idea of being lifted up, being higher than others, or to show yourself as above another. We use the term looking down your nose. You, to look down your nose at someone, you have to be above them or tilt your head back like this. You know, get the bifocals working. <laughs> looking down your nose at someone, I'm better than you. And I think that Pharisee just had his forehead high towards the sky Say, God, I thank you. I'm not like this fella. I'm not like that fella. I'm a pretty good person. Well, God's going to exalt the humble, but God's going to resist the proud. God doesn't accept thanksgiving from the proud. Psalm 105, verse, 101, verse 5. Him that hath a high look and a proud heart will not I suffer. God won't put up with that. The proud don't offer thanksgiving anyway unless they can profit from it. The Psalm 10 verse 4 says, The wicked through the pride or the height of his countenance, he will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. A proud person doesn't even notice the blessings of God. So that way he will thank God. The proud heart offers no true thanks to God. Only a heart of humility brings true thanksgiving to God. 
Pharisee thought he could earn his standing with God. He deserved the praise of man and a nod of favor from God. He thought he deserved what he had. When we think that we deserve what we have, our hearts are not going to be thankful. In all your free time, read Colossians chapter 1, verse 12 through 20. It's a prayer of Paul. It's not even the whole prayer. But it starts with giving thanks. And Paul gives thanks for all sorts of things. Because he realized he does not deserve a part in God's salvation. I do not deserve to call God my Father. I don't deserve freedom from the darkness or the power of darkness. I do not deserve entrance to God's kingdom. I do not deserve redemption. I do not deserve forgiveness. I do not deserve that the God of heaven do anything for me. I do not deserve that the Creator give Himself for me. I do not deserve that the one above all should take up a cross. I do not deserve that Jesus bleed and die in my place. I do not deserve that the Son of God reconcile me to God. I do deserve God's wrath. I do deserve death and I do deserve hell. And yet the Father in great love has made me meet to be part in his salvation. There's no room for pride there. There's room for thanks. True thanksgiving springs from a humble heart, but false thanksgiving, it will, it will pour from a proud heart. Same outward action, perhaps even the same words, but a totally different heart motive. So perhaps you'll be sitting at a table next week about this time. Well, probably closer to one o'clock. And you'll be looking at the table and you're going to say, where's the, thanks, where's, the, where's the turkey? It's not Thanksgiving without turkey. You didn't make stuffing? Well, we're not going to watch football? It's not Thanksgiving without football. Oh, I hope God's not sitting in heaven next week. And, and as, as he's hearing Christians give thanks and, and, he's, and say, well, that's not Thanksgiving because it's not humble. That's not Thanksgiving because... They haven't honestly confessed their true condition where they are with me. That's not thanksgiving because it's the wrong motive. Oh, let's think about these brothers and sisters. Let's make sure our thanksgiving is what it should be.